You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. So like Katie said, we've been thinking about the spiritual life as a road trip this season, and that's why you see these landscaped scenes along the walls. They're, they're growing. And um, our sky above you, um, in every good road trip, just like the pilgrimage with God, there are joy rides and potholes and pit stops. And so we've been kind of going through those, those three phases of the journey. And tonight it's about joy rides again. So it's about joy rides again, the, these mo- those moments where you find yourself laughing or smiling, um, whether it be inside or out. And you probably realize that these moments are best when we don't expect them. That's why New Year's, e- New Year's Eve celebrations are notoriously uh, disappointing. And um, there's science to back up what we already know that you know, people who try to be happy all the time um, and who are often checking to see if they are happy report actually report the lowest levels of happiness. And researchers compare this idea to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in physics, which says that in trying to measure the movement of, or the, a particle's energy, you actually influence its energy level, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it and studying it. And so in a similar way, I think j- trying to measure our joy <laughs> or our happiness um, changes our levels of happiness. Um, and, and, and the more science, scientists talk about this, the more they sound like Jesus. So trying to have a joy ride all the time is not the point of my speech tonight. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I have found that joy in Christ often comes in very surprising ways. Um, it comes unexpectedly. And I think the thing that we can do is hold on to it, hold on to the good. And we can, we can learn to practice that as a spiritual discipline, holding on to the good and tending it, tending our joy, as Gwen says. So that's where I'm going in this speech tonight. So how sweet is unexpected joy? Like, think about the last time you were, you were kind of in a funk and somebody sent you a funny text or meme or something encouraging. It probably, you know, helped you out even, even more than if you were, like, planning to go to the movies or something. My mind keeps going to actual road trips this season, um, and I was remembering that some of my moments of, of unexpected joy came in discovering our campsites um, this summer. We took our kids to some Northwest National Parks, as I keep talking about. And if you, if you know about National Parks, the campgrounds fill up really far in advance. And so you have to be like a really good planner, which I am not. Um, to to get those campgrounds, those campsites in the natu- in, in the national parks, and so 
we usually just see what we can find along the way as far as places to camp. And that usually works out because there's tons of national forests um, and so like smaller state parks and other protected areas where you can find a spot. So there, so here, here were some moments of unexpected campsite joy to get us rolling here with unexpected joy. Um, up in the Black Hills of South Dakota, there was this little lake next to the camp, the campground that we found. There was no cell phone service up there, um, but there was a little lake, and I was happy about this because I was trying to get over Mount Rushmore, and my kids had been in the car forever, and I felt like they really needed somewhere to swim. And um, they're so happy here because they're running toward me, threatening to throw me in. They didn't catch me. <laughs> and then when we um, when we couldn't make it all the way to the Tetons before dark on a different night, we found a spot in a national forest way up in the Rockies. And I was never, I was honestly never so scared that we would get eaten by grizzlies <laughs> because the the bear boxes in this national forests looked like national vaults like and you know how sensitive grizzlies are it was a high grizzly area and they're super sensitive to human smells and food smells so I slept with my my little pocket knife like in my hand um, and this is how happy oh sorry this is how happy I was we were when we woke up alive the next morning um, and the real unexpected joy was that Zach caught a trout in a stream up there in the Rockies that was so fresh that we ate it raw. Like it was so, we, we didn't even, it was too good to even put over the fire. We had some landlocked sushi. <laughs> and then in, uh, what's that? We live to tell it, yeah. And then in Glacier, Montana, we miraculously, um, got a campsite on Two Medicine Lake. It was the last campsite in the national in that part of the national park. And there's Jeff holding it down. Um, and little Wolf Mountain behind me. The campsite was right on top of the bathrooms though. That was why nobody else wanted it. It was right by the bathrooms, but we didn't care. We got to see a moose and explore that amazing park. And then finally in Utah, we found a spot on a river that smelled like dead fish. Um, there must have been something wrong with that river, but it was still so joyful for me because I love the desert, and we got to, you know, the air is so warm and dry, so we got to dry out all our wet stuff, you know, wet, smelly stuff from two weeks. And I especially love the red rocks of the Utah landscape. So it was some more unexpected joy. And every time we needed a place to camp, we found one. But can you see the pattern of it often coming in the midst of like the not so perfect scenario, even on vacation? I think that's how, I, I think that's how the pilgrimage of life is. But when the joy comes, you have to savor it. Joy can come by the bathrooms, when things smell fishy, when there's threat of bears, even when you can't use your cell phone 
or the internet. <laughs> Was that a small child with a cell phone? So, unexpected joy happens, it happens like this on the spiritual road trip, too. And we've been using stories from the early church to highlight that. And so I have two favorites for you today. And the first is uh, of Lydia, this lady named Lydia in Acts 16. And we only get a little paragraph of her story. But I think it's a moment of unexpected joy for the apostles that also starts on a riverbank. Um, they, Paul and his crew go out on the Sabbath to find a place to pray outside the city. And so they settle down by this, on this riverbank, and um, they, start, they just start talking to the ladies there. And um, one of those women was Lydia, and she was a prominent business owner in Macedonia. And we, we think she was a single woman um, who was like the head of her own household because when she wanted to get baptized, then she invited the apostles over and they stayed at her house. But the scripture says that she was already a worshiper of God and God opened her heart to Paul's message. And so I, I think the unexpected joy is they, they end up, Paul and his crew end up making a serious partner just by, just by going out and praying in public and talking to people, making friends, just saying what they're doing. I think that might be uh, a way for some unexpected joy. When I spoke at a, a conference recently, I got to know a, a young guy there um, named Brendan, and he came to our love feast then, and he jammed with our worship team because he's thinking about moving to Philly or, or at the very least starting a cell group where he's planted in Lancaster. But that was some unexpected joy for me in speaking at this conference um, because I'm suspicious of doing things that take me away from our local mission. But that was a good connection. One more story about unexpected joy here from, the, from Acts 20. Um, and the early church. This is, this is where the young guy, Eutychus, was sleeping in that window, and he fell. He fell asleep as Paul was, like, like talking till midnight, preaching. This guy fell, falls asleep, and he falls three stories to his death. And when I looked up the story on the, on the Internet, I found all kinds of ridiculous things like this cartoon um, and I also found a poem that I'm, I'm tempted to read to you about how you shouldn't fall asleep in church because your preacher isn't the Apostle Paul and, like, he can't, like, bring you back to life. But, like, why do people always make some kind of lesson out of the Bible? This story is not how you shouldn't fall asleep in church. Some of you might be falling asleep right now. But this, this story is about love and resurrection because what, what happens is Paul... After this, this guy falls out of the window, Paul runs down on the street and he throws himself on top of this guy and he embraces him. And the guy is revived. It's about the power of God. Talk about unexpected joy. You know, this guy falls out of a three-story window and he lives 
And some of you have stories like that. I know you do. Like Jane told one last week. Stories where some, something tragic happens and God, in some way, saves us again. I think we need to hold on to those stories. I, th- I think we all have them. I know I do. Maybe even especially the unexpected, the moments of unexpected joy or salvation. I think we need to hold on to that. We need to remember and reflect on the joy rides so that we can, so that we can endure the potholes and the pit stops. And I know this for a fact because our brains are actually wired to hold on to the bad. Like Gwen was, Gwen is a psychologist and she was telling us this recently. And that's why the term triggered is so popular now because it's like a real thing. That we actually, that when life is challenging, which it always is, right? Are the particular fears that got planted in us at a young age get, get stirred up again. And I think that's why we need the ongoing spiritual practice and community to face those fears and receive the truth again. The revelation of God, that God is here, that God could save us again, that his love is great enough to meet us in our fears and what we're, what we're actually facing right now. So I think that's why Paul says, he actually uses the term hold on to the good in his letter to the, the Thessalonian church, his first letter. letter. And um, this is some of the best advice I think I've seen in the Bible so far in chapter 5. Um, even the part before it is so good, although I can't get into it because the pastors keep telling me that I go in too many different directions with my talks. But you should read First Thessalonians 5 when you get home. Would someone read, would someone read through it, this to us nice and loud, just this little section here at the end? Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Thank you, Chris. That little part, hold on to what is good here that I highlighted, applies to prophecy. You can see it there in in context. And um, when I looked into that a little bit, that's, that was often like a, a blanket term that the early church used to describe everything that God was saying to 
to and through the body of Christ. It was the revelation of the Holy Spirit, not just that God is with us through his spirit, but the particular things that God was, was saying to people and calling them to do, that was the prophecy and that was the good that they were called to hang on to. Paul was saying, don't forget the revelation that God is giving to you as an individual and as a body in your church. Hang on to it. Don't forget it. And so I asked myself, what am I hearing in the body? You know, what's the revelation of God for Circle of Hope um, that I think that we need to hang on to in this moment? And so I have three little thoughts for you. And the first one is that we belong to God. You belong to God. Here's Rachel taking this profound step of faith in baptism that really, I think, at the core says, I'm God's beloved child, and God delights in me. And I think Rachel even looks like that. I think we need to hold on to this revelation because we need to feel it in our moments of anxiety and anger and shame, whatever it is that we get attacked by. We need the peace that comes from knowing that we actually belong to God. We need the sleep that comes from that. But my, I was talking with myself recently, and like everybody has trouble sleeping. And so we're going to lean, we're going to try and lean into that experience of belonging to God a little bit this Lent through contemplative prayer and some other, some other ways to try and help us feel it. How do we feel it? that the peace of God that can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The other uh, piece of revelation that keeps hitting me in Circle of Hope that I think is, is the good we need to hang on to is that we belong to each other. We are actually connected to each other in spite of the isolation um, and loneliness that lots of us feel like chronically. We need our sense of isolation and loneliness to be continually invaded. We need to feel our mutuality and togetherness, to feel our connection to each other. And I don't know, I don't always know how to do that either, but I know that it's real and that we have it through Christ. That is, the, that is our reality in Christ, that we are not alone, that we are actually connected to each other. And that, and and we had this moment um, at the love feast last week, where Ben, one of our pastors, asked us to actually touch each other, and as we were praying for each other, and to even look each other in the eyes um, for like an awkward amount of time. And one of my like shyest most introverted friends told me that that was her favorite part of the feast. Instead of freaking her out, it was it was a very tangible, moving moment of, of reality. Like, I am really not alone. I am really connected to Christ through all these people that I barely even know yet. And that's the truth that we need to hang on to. 
So I think we need to keep getting in each other's zones with that truth, even when it's risky and awkward. And then finally, we're participating in the salvation of the whole world with Jesus. There are many great projects of our circle mobilizing because Black Lives Matter team. Um, but we need to know that we're making a difference together because I think it's so, it's so tempting to feel small and helpless in this era. I know, I was kind of, Ben, I'm talking about Ben a lot tonight, but he put this nice note on the Covenant listserv last, yesterday about our woman, women pastors, and he said that I was full of hope, and I, I thought, wow, that's so nice. I have really honestly felt threat, that, that hope has felt threatened by the Trump era, um, and I, I have, I have uh, felt that personally, and um, like in a visceral way as a woman, and I've, I've tried to turn it around um, into, into better self-care and, and dig deeper into my spiritual disciplines, and that's been really good, but it's hard. It's hard not to give up and check out. But we have a reason. We have a reason to have defiant joy um, because Jesus is great in us together, even when we do feel small and helpless like that. I, I, felt, I felt how great Jesus is in us even right after we moved into this building and we were just meeting here to worship for the first time. And... Uh, it just felt so clear to me that whatever happened in this place before didn't even matter, that the love of Christ in us, especially as we worshiped, was just greater, more powerful than anything in the, in the world. And so I think that that's the revelation that we need to hang on to and keep testing out together. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.